Here we go again. Why are you using all caps? Are you screaming at me? It's hard to communicate about a relationship if you can't even agree what the words are. Like there are... 50 other tables and this person chose to sit right next to you. And now I'm putting a period so you don't think I'm crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's why Tinder's so popular. I can't not do nonverbal communication, Betsy. Look at you gesturing wildly right now. Why are you using all caps? Are you screaming at me? We don't ever believe words because actions speak louder than words. Oh man, doesn't that make you just want to reach across, grab that finger and snap it off? They're aware. They just don't want to be. Hey, it's Dr. B. And Mandy Johnson. And this is episode four, season two, It's Not Human Sexuality. Welcome. So, you know, episode four, season two, right? This is all about relationships. Good, bad, the ugly, right? And so now we're going to talk about communication, rules of engagement, that sort of thing. What we do wrong, what we do right. Giving you some advice. Hopefully, if you've been listening and you have been, right? You've seen some of these things that have been helpful. Some of the things like, yeah, this doesn't work for me. And that's cool. You can just, you know, advice is kind of like sand in your hand, right? Some of it you just let filter on through and the other you just hold on tight. You could make a castle out of it. Absolutely. So, you know, but now we're talking about rules of engagement, communication, that kind of thing. But it takes me back to a day when my, when my kiddos were in high school and, my son was talking to me about the rules of engagement, right, with about high school kids. And I said, well, what are you talking about? Let me break it down for you, Mom. He said, it starts out with hanging out. And I said, so hanging out and going out aren't the same thing? And he's like, no, they're different. I'm trying to explain to you. So now just listen. And I'm like, okay, got it. So hanging out is you're hanging out, right? You are just might be with a group of people hanging out. And you're kind of hanging out with this group of people because you want to get to know a particular person in this group that you're hanging out with, right? Right. But you're not really want to be obvious about it. And you certainly don't want to isolate it out. So you just are hanging out. And I said, well, then then you can be going out. And he goes, yeah. So, So you're like, you're dating. He goes, no, no. Going out and dating are different things. I said, so we've got hanging out, going out. But going out. It's not dating. And it's not hanging out. Mm-mm. So hanging out and going out are two different things. And going out and dating are two different things. And I'm like, so what's going out? And he says, well, you know, going out is like, I don't know, is when you're hanging out, maybe. But at you a go different... outside together. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So you're, you're... you're seen together as two people, maybe sometimes. But in a group, kind <laughs> of. Right. So you're just kind of going out, but you're not dating and I said well then what's what's dating well dating is when hanging out and going out progresses to you know like having a boyfriend or a girlfriend or you go to a movie or you you go to you go out to dinner and you might look up across the menu and say what are you gonna order okay that's that's dating so see like in my day it it wasn't that complicated it was just like you're dating or you're not it's funny to me because you know even back in my day, dating, you could be dating more than one person at the same time. And there was nothing wrong with that because dating was slightly casual. Like you're just getting to know each other. It's kind of like what they think of as going out, I suppose. You know, and, and it it's not terribly unheard of for people to date more than one person at a time as you're trying to get to know them. But but not for, for now. Dating is way more serious than oh, that. 
And you wouldn't date more than one person at a time because that's that's a different level than going out. Right. (laughs) And definitely much higher than hanging out. Absolutely. Right. See, we did that all at once. We just like hung out. We dated and, you know. And we dated by going out. Exactly. Oh, that's it. Exactly. We dated by going out, like skiing, hiking, dinner and a movie. But now dating is like that. Right. And I'm thinking how sad, how hard, like you have to have a flow sheet, you know, and a checklist, Excel spreadsheet. No wonder they have to learn it in school. Right. Because you're like, where am I? It's hard to communicate about a relationship if you can't even, <laughs> know if you where don't you even are. agree what the words are. Right. So then I said, OK, and then he goes, but there's something else. There's more. And I said, what is it? And he goes, well, there's hooking up. And I said, well, I kind of know what that is. He goes, right, right. So we know what hooking up is, old term, booty call, et cetera, et cetera, right? And I said, so yeah, that still takes place, all ages, all demographics, you know, we've got the hooking up. And he goes, yes, but there's one more stage. And I go, what's that? And he goes, well, it's what we call the WTF or the WTH or the wow factor. And I go, what's that? And he goes, well, that's when hooking up turns into hanging out. And we all know what happens when you hang out. (laughs) That's the surprise factor. I didn't know I would like you. Right. And I thought, well, that's not such a bad thing. Maybe that's why Tinder's so popular. Maybe. Right. So now we take it and we advance it even more, right? This rules of engagement. I hate that there are rules of engagement. You have to have have some common language to be able to communicate about what's going on, though. But but when we're talking about communication, though, Manny, like that's a good segue into that. When we're talking about communication in a relationship, I mean... If we break it down to a science, right, we've got nonverbal. Huge. You just nodded your head. See, you just nodded your head. Our <laughs> listeners couldn't hear that. That was a nonverbal communication. Okay. But I got it. You, you nodded. Did. You nodded. Now, see the difference. If I say you nodded your head, everybody knows that was a yes. Right. But if I said you shook your head, everybody knew that would be a no, right? Because we nod yes and we shake no. Yes. Right? Okay. So right there. That nonverbal communication right there told me, yes, right, you agree with me, but our readers, our listeners, readers, whoa, could not. Could not see that. No, that's nonverbal. So obviously when we're recording this podcast, we cannot do nonverbal communication. I can't not do nonverbal communication, Betsy. Look at you gesturing wildly right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do. I talk with my hands, right? So So there's verbal and there's nonverbal. Right. So I think when we, you know, we're, starting to get into this discussion about nonverbal communication and obviously we're speaking from a point of reference right and that point of reference for us is the united states yeah it's it's important to realize that nonverbal communication is different depending on where you go and what gestures are what they mean or or how we use them what you know the spacing that people have sure it can be different countries different cultures um and and so right now we're speaking from the reference of what we know here in the united states so let's talk about verbal, because that's kind of obvious. Well, this this one, I think it's it's sort of obvious, but I think it confuses a lot of people because verbal is any communication with words. And so even when you're not face to face, even when you're texting or you're writing a letter or you're writing an email, that's still verbal communication. Yeah. But a lot of people don't realize it is because I, th- I think a, a misconception for a lot of people is that verbal communication actually involves speaking those words. Right. So your mouth to my ear. Right. And that's an excellent point because in verbal communication, if we break it down, especially in texting or email or IMing or Facebook Messenger or posting something, this is that, right? And it can be misinterpreted, even though we consider it verbal. 
It's constantly misinterpreted when you don't have the body language context. You don't have the verb visual cues. You can't see my well gesticulating over here to to help understand the words I'm trying to say. (laughs) Or if you know if that person's being serious, right? Like, are you serious? Or why did you say that? You're like, why are you using all caps? Are you screaming at me? And you're like, no, I just was had on caps. I was lazy or, you know, I just like to type in all caps. I had a friend who always texted or t- emailed or whatever in all caps. And every time I opened up his emails, I just felt like he was screaming at me. Hey, how are you? How's it going? I'm thinking, whoa, tone it down. And then you have people who never use caps. And they're like, hey, how's it going? You know, and that's always how I interpret yeah. that or use run on sentences. And you're or, reading. or the people that have 17 exclamation points in the one email. <laughs> have you seen that? Yeah, that's that so meme? funny. <laughs> that's really funny. <laughs> one exclamation point says blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And now I'm putting a period, so you don't think I'm crazy. <laughs> That's so real. I'm guilty of that. Oh, me too. All I, right. I'm very excited and I'm friendly. So yeah. here's a bunch of exclamation points. Right. Cue sad face. Okay. <laughs> right. Stuff like that. But again, it can still be misinterpreted, yeah, especially I, if you misspell a word or autocorrect. Oh, autocorrect is the worst. It is. And people are like, what is what, what is that? What is she trying to what say there? That? Like, what was that? I, I tell my students that the electronic communication is so easily misinterpreted that's why we came up with emojis is because we you know electronically had to figure out a way to make our facial expressions known while we're typing out a bunch of words to somebody so we came up with a bunch of these emojis that we can't even all agree on what they mean i know and yet that's still verbal communication absolutely and so um but if we're talking about nonverbal communication it can only occur in the presence of the person you're talking to, it can it you have to it, so you have to basic, be in the same room, right? Or so, or video chatting, I suppose. Sure, okay, but the point is vicinity of visual, right? Yes. Okay, so that's really important. So when we when we talk about that nonverbal component, we can actually break this kind of down scientifically, right? And when we look at that, one of the things that we talk about with nonverbal are facial expressions. And it, and it has to be said that nonverbal communication is so stinking important. Yes. I mean, when when you're in the same room with somebody, if their verbal verbal communication and nonverbal communication don't match, you know, they, they have a sad look on their face, but they tell you they're fine. We don't ever believe words because actions speak louder than words. So we believe nonverbal communication. And a lot of people are like, I don't, I don't know why people always think I'm mad or whatever, because they don't realize the nonverbal communication they're sending off right things like facial expressions right so when you're getting to know somebody and and remember we're talking about the rules of engagement if 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 you're starting a new relationship or you'd like to be in a relationship or you're trying to meet somebody to be in a relationship and then so the proximity to that person and communicating non-verbally is really important because they start to learn more about you with respect to your idiosyncrasies or and I used to use the word quirks but that's there's nothing wrong with being quirky we that's part of your fingerprint right that's part of your personality and so when we talk about that one of the things that are facial expressions right and so a lot of people are be look at me and go um so you didn't like what I just said right and I'm thinking wow that's not what I'm thinking at all and this just happened right over the holidays and my son said so that didn't go over well and I said no, that's not what I'm thinking at all. I'm just trying to process to come up with where you're going. You're like, you know, it's just a lot. You know, I don't even know what you're talking about. It wasn't important. But the point was, he was looking at my face thinking that that was not a good thing. Whereas really, maybe internally, I was just trying not to pass gas or something. You know? I mean, you don't really <laughs> yeah. know. You don't know what that's your facial expressions. But 
a lot of times your facial expressions can be spot on. Oh, yeah. There, there's a meme going around right now that says something to the effect of like, I, I need to teach my facial expressions to turn on their inside voice. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But so facial expressions can be um, confirming. They can show shock or awe, like the raised eyebrow or the one eyebrow raised, which is kind of the parental like, what was that? Uh, they can have what we call the resting bitch face, right? Absolutely. Where this is my smile, right? <laughs> and so, but that's important thing to know about people that you are around or that you're engaging with, you're developing relationship is their facial expression. Well, I think it's just as important to know your own and realize <laughs> what's going on on your face because maybe you are expressing boredom without realizing it. And maybe you're getting on that first date or going out or whatever yeah. that is, you know, and you guys go out and, and they think you're bored because that's what your facial expression reads and you're just nervous or oh, you're yeah. just scared or you have no idea that your what your face is saying to them. So I think it's important to to check in with yourself and maybe get to know your own facial expressions. I know a lot of girls who uh, in high school who who have the resting bitch face and but they don't realize it. And then they wonder why everybody's always like, are you mad? You seem so mad. You know, and they're like, I don't know why everybody thinks I'm mad. I'm like, just I'm it's just a suggestion to look in the mirror. Yeah. And see what you look like when you're yeah. not smiling. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, can I interject real quick? Yeah. Uh, are you prepared at all, or would you mind talking about the sexism surrounding resting bitch face and how, you know, men don't get that. Men look stoic or tough or just quiet or, you know. Um, yeah, I don't even know where resting bitch face came from. <laughs> but it's, and really what it does is it, it um, to me, it is an amplification of what we call the, the uh, parentheses around the mouth, right? That's where that comes from. And so in older women, right, we, if someone said you had resting bitch face, we'd be like, what? But yeah, we can address that. Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, men can have resting bitch face. But they don't, they don't get called on it the same way women do. Well, one of the physicians I used to work for, he always looked very stern, right? Maybe what we would call um, resting bitch face for him. And uh, finally, somebody just posted this large picture of a bald eagle and below it, it said, I am smiling. And I thought, you know, that and he had that in his office. <laughs> and I thought that was perfect because he got really tired of people asking him what was wrong. And that was just who he was. Like he was a really nice, gentle, caring person. But he had, you know resting bitch face it often does refer to women and i guess we could say that's gender specific and if you want to know more about gender stereotypes gender language you can refer back to season one episode three okay so facial expressions right yeah. and now gestures oh yeah gestures are my thing for sure and then i know you are a gesture as well one. i know <laughs> <laughs> i i sometimes uh, I when I talk about gestures in class, because you know I talk about communication as well, and one of the things I tell the kids is that I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge myself right now to go the rest of the class period with my hands behind my back and not not gesture at all, and it only takes me about twenty to thirty seconds before I trip over my words. I can't think of what I'm trying to say, mm -hmm. and I cannot lecture or talk. And they start laughing and laughing. I'm like, but. I talk with my hands. And when you take them away from me, I can no longer words. Right. But it's 
Because it's an experience. So your communication, and I feel the same way, is an experience. You you are passionate. You want, can does this person hear you? But gestures also in nonverbal communication can be come across as aggressive, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Arms crossed, right? That's a, that's a real closed, you know, some, you're in an argument, you cross your arms. Um, and the finger point. The finger pointing and then wagging it, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, doesn't that make you just want to reach across, grab that finger and snap it off? That's, I don't know. Is that, was that kind of aggressive? So, <laughs> but I, that's what I mean, you know? And so we have to be clear about what gestures, they're not always positive, no. but they can be, they can be really positive, like, you know, yes or no, I get it. Yes. Spot on, you know, and so we can use gestures in that regard. But one of the things I feel about, like when you talked about lecturing with your hands behind your back, to me, the minute I visualized you doing that, I got quiet. <laughs> it, 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 it makes my heart beat too fast, even. I, I, right. It makes me nervous thinking about it. I have a very hard time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. It's sort of like, um, uh, you know, a while back I gave a TEDx talk, right? And mm-hmm. they have this, they have this big red rug you have to stand on, and they say, "So this is kind of your point. You can't really much venture off of this." And I almost felt my throat closing down because I was like, "What?" <laughs> when I present, I pace, like I walk, I, you know, I yeah. use my arms, and they're like, "Yeah, you can't do that because the camera's on you, and we can't, you know." Although they have a lot of cameras on you, and I had to practice. I had you to can't practice. Pace. <laughs> Yeah, I would you have a hard time pace. with that. You have to, I had to stand there. Yeah. And it's, it's sort of like when professors stand at the podium and they lecture, I'm like, how do you do that? Really? Like, how do you do that? That's not how I roll. And then we get into paralinguistics, which is kind of the segue of what we were talking about with gestures. So gestures and paralinguistics are somewhat similar, a little bit different, because with paralinguistics, we use those gestures to fill in the space for words, right? Para meaning around or the side of a linguistics meaning speaking or the language language, right and so we use those expressions or those gestures i guess to make a point of the word and and correct me if i'm wrong but i've always kind of thought of paralinguistics as encompassing a few more of the the gestures that are more widely known that that you know because a lot of the hand gestures i use when i'm talking don't really mean anything they just emphasize my words where paralinguistics might be me nodding my head that is easily understood by means the same thing generally when you do it. Right. You know? And 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 as and when we're speaking to somebody, like if you and I were having a conversation, if you're nodding your head or shaking your head or, you know, doing both, I'm getting the impression you hear me. Right. Right. You're processing and you're waiting to chime in. Right. And that's an important part of the nonverbal part of paralinguistics. Then we get into kinesics. Right. Which I think is a really interesting part of the nonverbal communication, you know, having to do with your your stance and uh, the way you hold yourself, your movement, uh, gestures again. And part of that is, um, you know, uh, the stance is important, you know, and I think one of the things that can portray emotion more than anything, especially with respect to anger is stance, not just the arms crossed, but maybe one hip elevated, tapping of the foot, you know, um, running your finger through your hair. Like, I can't believe you just said that. So that's that part. And I think that it's important to know that 
it can be positive, it can be negative. You know, like say you saw a really good play, you're clapping your hands and nodding, whistling at the same time. That's all part of that. Encore, encore, bravo, bravo, that sort of thing. And so I think there's a lot of a lot of this in the new relationship with the whole, um, you know, how close do you sit together can indicate a lot of different meanings. You know, if you're when you sit on the couch next to each other and your legs touch. I guess we're getting into proxemics a little bit well, as well. Is. I was but... just going to say that's a really good segue into that, right? And that has to do with personal space, right? And there are what we call your bubble, your personal space, your uh, area of comfort, whatever. And there are actually scientific breakdowns of this, right? So we have the zones, the zones right? So you have, you know, your... If we talk about your intimate personal space, that would be something that I would be comfortable with you talking if we were in a crowded party or something, leaning in close to have a private conversation or putting my arm around you to, you know, tell you something. Right. That's a personal space. That's, I know you well enough. I, I'm okay with that. And then, you know, the next bubble is your, um, oh, I'm sorry, that would be the intimate space. But the next bubble is the personal space where you you know people, they're close friends, but they're not intimate, right? They're not right. into that portion where you would okay be okay with them being that close. But the important thing to remember is that the difference between intimate and personal space also depends on the person. I have a personal space, I would say, of about three feet. And the reason is because I'm a visual person. So when I'm talking to somebody, I want to I want to see the whole thing, the body language, the not, you know, right. all of that. Um, and if you step into my personal space, if we're having a conversation, the first thing I'm going to do is step back. Right. And that person's personal space is obviously smaller than mine. So what are they going to do? They're going to step forward. And back and forth and back and forth. And here we go, right? And so at some point, one of you might just give in and say, okay, I'm good here. Yes. <laughs> and then we move to the next outer ring, and that's called the social space. Right? I, de- I describe the social space to my students as the distance that people stand apart from each other in an elevator when they can. Yeah. You know, you don't really know this person, but you're forced to be share a space. So you stand, you, you, you stand the appropriate distance that you can apart from them your mat's kind of that social like okay i'll let you closer than i would for a normal stranger but only because i have to you know (laughs) same thing you'd do at a party when it's a little bit more crowded you're willing to get a little closer with those strangers but you still don't let them into your intimate or your personal zone if you can help it right oh man i love that analogy of the (laughs) we should do a social experiment with elevators and just have I, one person on the elevator and then get in and stand, and stand right, right next, next to him. I, I actually used to assign that to my students. We didn't have an elevator at school, so I would just tell them, like, next time you're in an elevator, just play this game and see how people react. You know, just stand closer to them than you should. Because there's more space in the elevator, like there's two of you, and you should be yeah. over at the other side. You should be in the opposite corner or something. But if you just stand a little closer, and, and it's, it's a fun way to see how people react, because... It's not great. <laughs> no, it would make me nervous. It makes most people very nervous. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? This is not okay. Oh, the same thing works if you sit at the same cafeteria table as, as somebody who's like sitting alone at school. <laughs> and you just go sit right next to them, even though the whole table is empty. Yeah. You know, and they're like, what the, what are you doing? <laughs> Isn't that kind of true, though? Especially like you hear you are you like there are. 50 other tables and this person chose to sit right next to you. Proxemics. It works in every situation. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. My favorite, eye gaze. Oh, eyes and the window to the soul. Yes. You know, an eye gaze can bring a person across the room. Yes, it can. 
right? We've seen it in every movie. <laughs> and <laughs> movies never lie. But, you know, you have to be careful about eye gaze, right? Because some you eye gaze can, you know, be a way of flirting. Yeah. You know, you're sitting in a coffee shop. Maybe you're looking at your phone. In my day, it was a newspaper. So you were looking down. You might look up over it, catch somebody's eye, and then kind of give them that. Oh, you just gave me that. Yeah, that nod did. and that wink. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and then, you know, then you look back down and then up. And then maybe that other, you might, you do it enough that it might compel you or the other person to walk over to you. But you have to be careful about the outcome, right? Because they yeah. might walk over and say, hey, I couldn't you know, help but see that you were staring at me and they might go, yeah, did you know you have a piece of food like right here on your... <laughs> I was looking at that giant piece of kale hanging out of your teeth. <laughs> so you have to be careful about eye gaze, but... I think, I think eye gaze, the other way you need to be careful is, you know, sometimes you're just zoning and you're mm-hmm. just, you're mm-hmm. just zoned, but from across the room, it definitely looks like you're staring in that person's eye. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you catch your eye and you're like, you're like oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh. Wasn't staring at you, I swear. You know, if you if you hold somebody's eyes too long, then you it come off creepy. If you don't hold their eyes long enough, you can come off as creepy or untrustworthy. Or you know, skittish. There's, there's, skittish. A, there's that perfect balance of of looking somebody in the eye and and the right gaze and all of that. Well, what is that balance? It's a good question. You only have to know it when you're doing it. I read somewhere way long time ago that there was some kind of proper technique that involved five to 10 seconds of looking somebody in the eye and then a glance away and then go back five to 10 seconds and then a glance away. And if you don't glance away, you're going to look creepy. And if you glance away too often or don't hold their eye gaze long enough, then you're going to come off untrustworthy or, or, or uninterested or yeah, definitely uninterested. I see that one a lot uninterested that, that, you know, that's, that's taking it personally for sure. So that leaves us with the last one, which is haptics, which is touch. All right. Touch is touchy. Touch is touchy and it communicates a lot. It communicates a lot and it can be welcomed or unwelcome. And I think, and and I don't like to speak in gender specific language, but I think when we're talking about touch, I think those who identify as female, right, women, have a lot of latitude here. Yes. You know, they can reach out, touch somebody's elbow, pat somebody's knee, Maybe even sit in somebody's lap or put their arms around them or, you know, you know what I'm saying? They just have a lot of latitude. Oh, I I feel this as a teacher a lot because I talk to male teacher friends of mine who get nervous to even like touch a student on the shoulder. And and I think about all the different ways that I interact with students that involve touch and, and how it's never I've never thought twice about it until I hear a male teacher. Then I'm like, oh, my God, I never it never occurred to me that that could be construed as inappropriate but but i'm not a male touching a female on the shoulder right and and yeah i do i would agree that, that there's some latitude depending yeah. on the gender right so like let's say if and i don't i think i think that's an important distinction right because i mean if you watch old movies i love to watch old movies uh, especially like the fred astaire you know with ginger rogers dancing and those gowns were beautiful but they were often backless right and in that era those gowns were backless and so you had exposed skin and so this is one of the reason why men carried handkerchiefs in their pocket of their suit because if they were dancing with a woman they would put the handkerchief over their hand before they touched her her back and so the his their hand was never directly touching skin it was a it was considered respectful right because it was a degree one degree of of separation separation and so when we 
talk about touch as a form of communication, we have to understand the difference of, I don't know, privilege that I think we have with respect to gender. Yeah. And I think that's notable. I would, I would agree. Right. And so another thing about touch, though, is getting somebody's attention, right? You can tap them, hey, 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 you know, I'm talking to you. Or um, if, if somebody, I'm, if I'm walking in a party or somebody, and somebody walks up behind me and grabs me by the elbow, I'm, I'm tuned in, right? What do you got? I know they want my attention. And I did this with my kids. Like if, you know, they were packing up, getting to spend a week in it grandma and grandpa's house they were so excited you know and I'm and I'm not I got to prepare them you know do you know how to dial 911 those sort of things and there were rules like you can't play in the front yard and this and that and and they're like yeah 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 and I remember tapping them on the knee so that they would look up and look in my eyes and then I'd get them right I got them I've got their gaze and I'd say I need you to repeat what I'm telling you and part, but it starts with the touch. It does. It starts with the touch. And part of the reason that was so important to me is I grew up with a hearing impaired father. And I had to make, we always had to make sure that he, because he read lips, right? right? And so I had to make sure that he was seeing what I was saying. I know that sounds strange to people, but, and we say that, can you see what I'm saying? Right. Right. But for me, it had that meaning. Yes. Can you see what I'm saying? And I need you to repeat it back. So I know that we've communicated. Let's talk finally about appearance. Nobody really wants to talk about that because we live in this world where I think um, women maybe are judged more harshly about appearance. In fact, earlier we just talked about resting bitch face and that tends to portray women. But again, it can be men as well. Maybe we just don't use that terminology. But I think with appearance, you know, I remember when we were teaching your class, your students were like, well, I don't see why appearance is such a big deal. Students tell me that all the time when it comes to it, I don't understand why it matters. And it can't communicate that much, basically, is what they tell me. And I and I always come back at them with things like, well, if your appearance doesn't communicate, then why do you dress up for prom? Why do you change outfits so that you could go to a job interview? Why don't you dress like you're dressed right now for your job interview? Because you know that appearance communicates a whole lot of stuff. Right. You know, they're aware. They just don't want to be. What do we do about appearance? Why why is there emphasis? What does it communicate? Does it communicate, you know, first date, truly dating, and the person shows up and maybe not making an effort or what we would consider not making an effort? Do we then immediately say, well, they're not worth it or they didn't think I was worth it? I guess that depends on the person. But right. yeah, it's there. Right. But. Let's dial this back. Do you, did you see the movie, The Pursuit of Happiness? Yes. Okay, so he's painting that room, right? He needs the money and he realizes, oh my gosh, I'm going to be late for my interview that he really wanted and he didn't have time to change. So he shows up in that white t-shirt, t-shirt. sweaty, you know, and the guy says, well, geez, here you are. You're dressed like this. I mean, what would what would you think if you were me? And he says, I would think this guy really wants this job. You know, I mean, right? So we can't always judge a book by its cover. Well, we shouldn't, but we do. And I think that's what it comes down to is that whether we should or not, we are getting judged by how we we appear. So that does communicate things to people. You know, to wrap up, we need to decide or talk about what is the goal of nonverbal communication? I mean, what does it accomplish? And I think that there are several points. One is it expresses emotion, right? It expresses interpersonal attitudes, you know, how I feel about you, how you feel about me, 
Um, it will accompany speech. We've definitely, you know, made that very clear. And it's part of your self-presentation, right? Part of your personality. Everybody knows you're going to talk with your hands. Everybody knows I'm going to talk with my hands. And there are some people that don't, yeah. right? But it doesn't necessarily mean they're not good at communicating. It's just part of their personality and how they do that. And so I think that that's important distinction when we're talking about communication. Yeah, nonverbal communication definitely tells a lot of people about who you are. So our advice for those of you who are in a relationship, for those of you who want to be in a relationship and want to, you know, be in it for the long haul is use verbal, use nonverbal, but make sure that what you're saying what you're doing, what your actions are, really reflect what you're thinking and leave no doubt. Yes. Be aware of what you're saying. So this was episode four, season two. It's not human sexuality. Thanks for joining us. I hope you stick around for episode five because we're going to be discussing young love. See you next time. Coming up on It's Not Human Sexuality. I believe we're talking about teenagers. So young love, you know, um, there's some there's some stuff about that that I think as adults we do wrong. I think it's a great training ground to to learn about yourself and and what you will accept and not accept from another person and to define your own boundaries. Some boundaries that you may have set up really aren't important. I also am in the belief that length of relationship doesn't always mean success of relationship. I've tried on you know 17 pairs of pants and this is it this is the pair that beats them all what should we do instead of creating drama let's go there it's not human sexuality content is created by reproductive biologist dr betsy cairo and human sexuality education teacher mandy johnson this podcast is produced by hannah copeland and recorded by jeff ratterman at redstone sound in loveland colorado we exist in support of the nonprofit Look Both Ways, whose mission is to improve the lives of youth by imparting the knowledge and skills necessary to make informed decisions about their reproductive health.